before the entire family of the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown, I light the fourth Advent candle of action. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this day before another Christmas, for all that it means in this world, in our homes, and in your church. Help us on this happy, holy day to become the people you want us to become, to hear those things that you want us to hear and to do those things that you want us to do. For we pray it all in the name of the babe who grew up and before he went to the cross taught all of his disciples when praying to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots and a spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the girdle of his waist, and faithfulness the girdle of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall feed, and their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The sucking child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea.
Let us come before our God in prayer. Father, in this busy and exciting time of the year, we're thankful for this quiet time of prayer and meditation. Our lives are filled with so many activities of the holiday season that we tend to forget the meaning of Christmas and our obligation of love and worship to you. You are our Creator and our God. Everything we are and everything we have comes from You. Without the warmth and the security of knowing that You care for us, our lives would have little meaning. You chose to prove Your ultimate love for us by sending your only Son to come to us in human form. Jesus Christ, whose birth we celebrate at this Christmas time, showed us what love really means by offering himself as a sacrifice to atone for our sins. Lord. Grant that we might never forget this wonderful gift. Especially during, during this time of remembrance, help us to keep the example of his perfect life in front of us, that we might try to lead, uh, live up to the teachings that he brought. Help us to truly love you with our heart and soul and mind and strength and to truly love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Father, we're grateful for the fellowship of all who believe in your Son, that fellowship that we call the body of Christ, the Church. We ask your blessing upon this Church here in Bakerstown. Our prayer is that through its pastors and leaders and members, word of the Savior might be proclaimed in this community, proclaimed in such a way that everyone who hears it will come to know him. Lord, we remember that as we rejoice on this Christmas Eve, there are many who have little to rejoice about. We pray that you would heal those who are ill in body and spirit, that you would comfort those who are bereaved or despairing or lonely. You would feed those who are hungry and bring peace 
to those whose lives are disrupted by violence and war. These aims can be accomplished by your Holy Spirit working through us and through other Christians all over the world. Empower us so that we might achieve these goals to the greater glory of him whose coming changed the world. We pray in his name. Amen. On this day of Christmas Eve, we welcome all who worship with us in this beautiful service dedicated to the Christ of Bethlehem who grew up, died upon the cross, and is alive forevermore. If you are present in the sanctuary, please take one of the Ritual of Friendship cards. These can be found in the pew racks or upon the pew seats, fill them out and deposit them in the offertory plates as they are passed to you. And if you are present in the sanctuary, I'm sure that you join with me as part of the family as we express thanksgiving to all of those people who helped to make this a beautiful and great day in this and Bakerstown church history. We want to mention those people whose names appear on the back of today's bulletin, who have worked so hard, who have given so much, who have shared their talent to make this sanctuary so beautiful as it is this morning. And for those of you who are part of the radio congregation, I want to remind you that we have two Christmas Eve services scheduled for this evening. At 7.30 p.m., the service will be one of music and message. Our Westminster Choir will be singing at that service, and then at 11 p.m. until midnight, the second service with our great chancel choir singing and message as well. Also at both services, there will be the lighting of Christmas candles by the session members of the church, and our offering tonight will be Bakerstown's Christmas gift to the children's home in Mars. Now may I ask please, for the sake of convenience, simplicity, and so the proper credit may be given, if you are planning to give a gift by check, please make the check out to the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown and in the lower left-hand corner designated for the UP Children's Home. Every cent that is received will be forwarded to that great mission place, and I hope and know that you people will be very generous and liberal with your Christmas offerings tonight.
It's a great day on behalf of the staff and session of the church. May we express to you a very merry, happy, and wonderful Christmas for you and yours at this particular time in God's history. I want to also express our gratitude to our orchestra, members of the Butler Symphony, who have given up their own place of worship today to be with us, those who are not members of our own church. And we welcome you and thank you for joining in presenting our great ministry of praise. We wait upon all now for the gifts which today you bring to God.
of the great joys that we have here at Bakerstown Church at this beautiful season of the year is to welcome back home the more than 102 college students who are members of this congregation and many other young people who are away during most of the year and who are home for Christmas. We of the family welcome you. And most of you have gotten letters from me inviting you, if you're in that particular age bracket, to a brunch which will be held next Sunday immediately following worship where we can renew acquaintances and get to see friends. Mrs. Kennedy will be in room 106 immediately following this morning's worship. And if you would like to confirm your reservation with her at that time, it would save you doing it later this week. Hear the word of God as it is found in Luke's Gospel. And there we read this, the second chapter, beginning at the famous eighth verse. And in that region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Do be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall come to all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying which had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Amen and amen. I don't mean to sound presumptuous or take opposition, but I don't think I'd have done it that way. No, if, if I was God and I wanted to make an announcement that 
my own flesh, my own son, Jesus Christ, was coming down to earth, I think I would have used a different method of relaying that message. I probably would have hired myself the best ad man that I could find. I'd have called probably an early morning news conference with all of those biggies there. Or I would have at least made the announcement at some prestigious luncheon of the Chamber of Commerce at noontime. Or maybe I'd had some promising senator make the announcement that afternoon in the halls of Congress or some professor present that bomb at a seminar at the university in the afternoon. Or maybe I'd even given the information first to a group of preachers who were meeting that evening in a committee meeting. That's what preachers do most of the time in committee meeting. But I don't think I'd have done it the way God did it. God didn't choose to follow my suggestion, no. What a strange way to do it. The first audible announcement of the great fact that God was coming here in the flesh was made in the middle of the night to a handful of probably rather sloppy, dirty, not too well educated and not very religious, lonely shepherds who were working the night shift on a hillside. That's the way God did it. Doesn't sound very dynamic, does it? But that's the way God did it. And it makes you want to ask the question, because you know God always knows what's he, what he's doing. Why? Why would he do it that way? There must be something in shepherds. They must have the qualities that are absolutely necessary for God to get his message from his messengers down to this world and fulfilled. And when you do a little study into shepherds, yeah, they got it. Shepherds, you know, are experts when it comes to knowing the elements. They are sensitive to the strange and spooky noises that come with the silence of midnight. Shepherds are always alerted for action. Shepherds, when there is sense, some strange things in the air, they know what to do and aren't afraid to do it. And God knows that. That's why then and today he sends his message through messengers to people who have shepherd-like qualities, people who can act, not just talk or think or pray or look good, but people who can do things, who know how 
they've exercised the courage of action. Look what they did. When the word came, and it was a rather strange word, always words that are spoken out of the silence of midnight always are strange. They acted, and they went and investigated. They went with haste, said the Bible. They got up, they left their jobs, they forgot their rest, and they went to investigate. And they went with haste. And please don't carry the story beyond reality. When they got there, they didn't see too much. Please do not think the preacher blasphemous when he said that, but remember, these people were human beings. They didn't see much. They saw a man and a woman and a little baby. And the baby was lying in swaddling cloths in a manger. And what can you see when you look at a baby? I've looked at a good many of them in the maternity wards of this area's hospitals. What do you see? Red flesh, tight muscles, and lots of hair. And that's about all you see. You don't see much when you look at a baby. Come back and look 15, 18, 20 years later, and if it's a female, wow. But then... But when we're babies, presidents, kings, and beggars, we all look alike. There's not much to see. And I present to you those shepherds didn't see too much when they looked at that little baby whom the messengers had called the Savior of the world. But you know, I don't think that was really important to the shepherds because I really don't think they went to see the Son, Jesus Christ. They went to see the sign. <laughs> they went to see whether or not what they had heard was only a figment of their imagination or whether or not it was true. And I'm sure the whole way down from the hills and down through the downtown section of Bethlehem, they kept wondering, will we find him or will we not? Was that merely a vision or a dream, or was it a reality that we saw and heard with the angels of the Lord? And suddenly when they came to that barn, and sure enough they found a babe in swaddling cloths, they had the sign confirmed. Sure, they were interested in the sun, but... You couldn't see much in that little baby, but they knew from that sign that what they were doing was right. Any messenger who could tell them where and how to find the Son has got to be trusted as to who the Son would be. And they were confirmed in, in what they thought had happened. Because they had acted and went to investigate. And then notice it's after their investigation and the confirmation that what they, was, that what they were seeing was real and not merely a dream. Then they did something more. They acted. They, they performed something. They began to make known all of the sayings that had been told them concerning the child. 
They didn't talk about that before. They were too much in question. But once they had a confirmation, then they became blabbermouths. And they began to tell everybody what they had heard concerning the child. They made it known. And mind you, the Bible tells us that most of the people who heard that story began to shake their heads. They thought those shepherds were not only out of the hills, they thought them out of their trees. They thought that these people were crazy. They wondered at what they said. But that didn't bother the shepherds. And notice the shepherds didn't try to theorize or even theologize or editorialize or explain what was going on. No, all they did was to tell in simple sentences with small words what they had heard concerning this child. And though many of the people began to think that these shepherds, there was something wrong with them mentally or they were filled with the wrong kind of spirit, Mary and Joseph didn't. You see, the shepherds didn't realize it, but in relating what they had heard about this child, they were con conforming and confirming what Mary and Joseph had heard in the strange messages that they had received. Those shepherds, I'm sure Mary and Joseph could have gone over and hugged them and kissed them because they gave support to the mystery and the sacred and spooky and scary things that Mary and Joseph had heard. The shepherds didn't know they were providing that support, but it came and the Bible said that Mary took all of these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds, they continued to act, and they went back home. They went back up to the hills, but they went as new people, praising and glorifying God for all that they had heard and seen and what had been told unto them. Remember, they saw only a baby. It wasn't for another 33 years that that baby grew up and left from the crib to go to the cross. It was only then that the world had the confirmation that God was in Christ and he's the savior of the sin. And I don't know if any of those shepherds lasted 33 years to see that little baby who they had seen in the crib die upon the cross. But in essence, it really didn't matter. These people had found the secret to life, and the secret of life is to glorify and praise God forever. The first catechism, you know, is what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify and enjoy God forever. And they had found that. They had found that because they were willing to act. And they went with haste. They told what they had heard. And they returned for the rest of their life, glorifying and praising God because 
they had seen God because they had the courage to act. Now that's the way it happened the first Christmas. And this is the time of the year when we celebrate that particular historical event that appeared, happened 2,000 years ago. That is the way God announced to the world that his son was coming into the world. Now time is different. Faces have changed. But God has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And the way God announced the news of his son into this world is the same way God today is announcing the coming of his spirit into your lives and into my life. That's the way God does it. God is still sending messages through his messengers. And you and I are the ones loved and trusted by God to be his shepherds, to shepherd those new ideas, to find those new discoveries, to lead in those new inventions, to build this new world. And God is speaking as clearly on this Christmas Eve day as he was on that Christmas Eve day. We are the shepherds. But do we have the courage to act upon what we hear? If we do, we will go and investigate. And we'll go not tomorrow, but we'll go today. We'll go with haste and see this thing that God has revealed unto us. But I want to warn you, if God is speaking to you and you're frightened by that experience, you know there's something that you are to do. There's a new idea, a new plan, a new business, a new relationship, a new birth that he has in store for you go and investigate, but believe me, you're not going to see too much at first. You're going to wonder why you go to some of the people that you go to, why you visit some of the places you visit. You're going to find yourself asking, what is here that I am supposed to catch? What is that strange thing in the air here now? Look closely because you're not going to see any fruit. You're only going to see the seeds. You're not going to see the full tree. You're only going to see a little bit of root. You're not going to see the final product. You're only going to see the kernel of a plant. You may see its antecedents. You may see its parents. But what you're going to have to look at is only a little babe, a little bit of an idea, a plan, a goal, or a picture. But do not get discouraged. Just remember the one who sent you wherever you must go knows why you are there. And if you look long enough, Listen hard enough. Pray sincerely enough. I do believe God will let you see 
just a little bit of that beginning that God has in mind and in store for you to bring to completion or at least part of its completion to his wonderful world. And when you find some confirmation, and heaven knows where you're going to find it. You might find it here, you might find it at work, you might find it at the strangest turn that you make in the experiences of your life. Nobody knows when or where or how it's going to happen, but it happens. And when it does, and the confirmation comes to you, for goodness sake, open your mouths and relate to other people these things that have been revealed unto you, the things that have been told you about that little child, whatever or whoever that child is. I think you've caught on by this time for the last four weeks to the best of my ability and to the best of my scholarship I have tried to reveal unto you the fact that God is sending messages through messengers to this world today to you and to me. I told you several weeks ago that in the middle of the night I received a message for messages that I've tried to build upon, work on, pray over, and deliver the best that I can with the talent and ability God has given to me. And some of you have listened. And some of you have begun to wonder about your beloved pastor. <laughs> Don't worry, I've been wondering about me for a long time. But not about this. I am as convinced as I am standing before you this very moment that God spoke to me and throwing aside all caution and even the knowledge that some of you may think I'm out of my tree. I have tried to reveal to you as simply and sincerely as possible what has been happening to me, and I've related some stories of, of what has been happening to some of the people of our family in this Bakerstown church. It's been spooky, scary, frightening, and wonderful. And I've tried to reveal this to you, not to be center staging anybody but for the simple reason that I believe out there today here in this room or throughout the radio waves which God has blessed this ministry there's some Joseph and some Mary who though maybe no one else may understand what I'm trying to say these words that are being spoken this very second are ringing a bell in your mind and you are finding some confirmation of messages that have come to you. And the mere fact that I am saying this, and I don't know what God has been saying to you, it is a confirmation that God is speaking to you. That's how we support one another. And we support each other best when we do not know when we are supporting each other. Act 
investigate. When you have that confirmation, reveal those things that have been told you concerning your child. And you never know who might be gaining strength through your testimony. Do that. And then do what with all shepherds are supposed to do. Go back. Let's go back today to our homes. And if some of us have to work to our jobs, let's come back to this church this evening. And let us come realizing that we have the secret to life, that our job is to glorify and to praise God from whom all blessings flow. Our job is not just to worry about those particular problems that we have at home or at work. Our job in life is just not to become frightened about things that only the, no the Lord knows will take place. Our job in whatever state we are is to thank God, to praise God, and to glorify God that He is alive and He's working and He is leading us to the fulfillment of the destiny which He began in us by giving us the seed of birth. Oh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, don't you see, Christmas, yes, it's a time when we remember. We remember that in the fullness of time, at the right second, God brought forth his own son, born of a virgin. And that baby grew up. And that baby died upon the cross for you and for me, for the redemption of the world. And on Easter morn, the grave was opened. And eventually Jesus ascended to the right hand of God and sitteth on the right hand. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. It all began with Christmas and we as Christians are to remember that it began then. That Christmas is more than just a day for remembering. It's a day for acting upon the fact that God who was alive in his Son, is alive in his Spirit with us here today. That that Jesus, who came down to Bethlehem by the power of his Holy Spirit, is in Bakerstown today. He is in this stable right now. He is bringing forth new birth. He is bringing messages from God to you and to me, just hoping that you and I will have the preparation, the awareness, the response, and the courage to act upon those mysterious, marvelous, magnificent things that God still wants to do in this world and which he has plans on doing through you and through me. So ladies and gentlemen, please remember that this is not just a day of remembrance, but it's a day of action. And that our Lord Jesus, who came down to the manger, 
has come down here to you and to me that our Lord God liveth and reigneth and he shall be alive forever and ever and ever. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the message of Christmas. That is hallelujah. Amen.
Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.